0: Good morning. Can you hear me now? All right. When I get to heaven, I want to be able to paint like that. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Anybody visiting us for the first time today? Just raise your hand if you are. Got a few people. Welcome. Hope you'll consider worshiping with us again. How many of you have been part of this church community for more than five years? Let me see my hands. Oh, Wow. Okay. Ten years? Fifteen years? Man, look at these hands still up. Twenty-five years. Hands are still up. Bud? You are one of our charter members, you and Corey. How long have you all been here? In the fifties. Almost sixty-plus years? Almost. Almost. Well, thank you for being part of a rich heritage of people that believe in God. We are starting another year, the year 2013. I have been within this, this community since August of 2001, so that's starting my 12th year. And in my time here, we've walked together, we've shared meals together, we've taught classes together, we've Lived life together. In fact, some of my most precious memories have happened right in this community. In 2007, many of you were here as Grace and I got married right, in the sanctuary. And um, in 2010, Christian was born. And just this past year, Noah was born. So we have grown in this church family that we call home. But even with all of that, I think something special happened in many of your minds on September 16th. Is that a special day for anybody? September 16th, this past, was a few months ago. Some of you were with us that day. That's the day that we moved a little over 10 miles. Fede. that's much shorter than you often run. From Loma Linda to Yukaipa. And that did something for some of you, that we would move up the hill and be here living with you all. And I wasn't quite sure how to take it at first, but several of you came up to me and said, Pastor, you are finally one of us now. Uh, Okay, I'm glad to be part of this group called us, this group that worships together and lives together. They come amazing. If I had known that we would have been welcomed so warmly, I think we might have done it sooner. Um, perspectives change depending on where you're at. Things have definitely changed for us since we moved up the hill. I'll give you a few examples. The first being, for those of us that live up the hill, we also say that we go down the hill. People down the hill don't use that language, because many of them, they don't even know there's a hill to go up. Okay, they'll ask you, "Where do you work?" And I'll say, "Calamaesa," and they'll say, "Where is that?" I'll say, Ukaipa, past Ukaipa. where is that? You guys know where Redlands is? Oh yeah, we know where Redlands is. Okay, just past Redlands. For those of us that live up the hill now. There's something that happens psychologically. It's the same distance whether you come from Loma Linda to Calamasa or Calamasa down to Loma Linda. But if you're up here, going down there is an expedition or an excursion or some other Ford SUV that we don't know yet. You have to plan. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, because you all live up here. Perspective teaches us about our identity as individuals. C.S. Lewis says this What you see and hear depends a good deal on where you are standing. It also depends on the sort of person that you are. This morning, I'd like to look at a couple of stories in Scripture where perspective seems to matter as we start this new year together. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 will be starting in verse 1. If you don't, you can read with us along on the screen. This is a story about Jesus as he comes up to Jerusalem during one of the festivals. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes, goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once this man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, according to ancient le- legends, every so often an angel would come down, and stir the waters of the pool there. And legend had it that the first person that entered the pool after the stirring would be healed or cured of any ailments that he or she had. This man that had, at some time earlier in his life, made his way to the side of the pool. He came there hoping for healing, waiting for his moment. The human spirit is hopeful. We were all made to respond to inspiration. We want somebody to to give us meaning and purpose for our lives. But all all, all too often something happens, we get disappointed one too many times, and we begin to lose hope. And we find that it's easier to go down the path of least resistance rather than to work and strive for something that inspires us. So Jesus asks this man, do you want to get well? It's a silly question. And he replies, "Uh, uh, yes, but... I imagine by this time, the years he spent there, he doesn't even look up to this man talking to him. I'm not sure at what point this happened. It, may, it probably wasn't after the first, second, or third time that someone got into the pool before him. But somewhere along the way, he began to doubt that his time would ever come. He lost his sense of awe, his sense of hopeful anticipation. New Year's resolutions. I don't know how many of you have have made any yet. We talked about it a little bit in, in junior high school this morning. But New Year's resolutions are birthed out of expectancy and inspiration and hope. The question might as well be, do you want to lose weight or stop smoking or quit drinking? Do you want to be happier? Do you want to work less? Do you want to stop worrying? Do you want to... Give back to your community. Help those that are less fortunate. Do you want to see your Falcons finally win a playoff game? That one's mine. Some of you are Chargers fans, and your question might be, do you actually want to see the Chargers make the playoffs? And if you are Chargers fans, you have hope now. New coaches coming in soon, so there's hope. Pastor Phoebe, you have hope. There's hope. Do you want to be part of what God is doing to bring in this world to bring healing and hope to those that are lost and in pain? I don't know what what's happened. I don't know why we respond, but so often we respond with the answer, yes, but. We never run out of new ways of finishing that sentence. And so we stay the same. We, we lie waiting at the edge of the pool. Maybe today your life isn't exactly what you wanted it to be or hoped that it would be today. Maybe you think, as soon as I get this one as soon as this happens for me and my family, then, then my life can really begin and we can be truly happy. For some of us, it may be finding that special someone, check. Having a child or children, check. Getting that right job, finding the right group of friends, spending the things that we want to spend our time on check. So Jesus comes to this man who has been there for years, who has suffered for 38 years, focused on something that he wasn't able to do, wasn't able to do for himself, and he says, get up, get up and walk. That pool over there, that pool is not going to make you well but I will. The right job, the right relationships, the right friends, the right teams that you support, winning your your spot on the varsity team, getting your Xbox, those things are not going to make you well. But those things that you long for, deep down, I. And provide healing for you, Jesus says. In fact, getting to the mountaintop will not get you well either. It won't bring you healing. Moses has something to say about that. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, towards the end, and we'll go on to chapter 6. This is where we pick up a conversation between God and Moses. This ends up being Moses' last charge to his people. The Israelites that he's lived with for decades through the high times like the great exodus from Egypt and the low times of wandering in the desert and worshiping idols and turning their backs towards God against God. And I think there's something that we can learn this morning as well. Deuteronomy 5.28, God is speaking to Moses. I have heard what these people said to you. Everything they said is good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Go and tell them to return to their tents. But you, Moses, you stay here with me, so that I can give you all the commands, decrees, and and laws that you are to teach them to follow in the land that I'm going to give them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are going to, that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children, you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. So that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Here, listen. Is it, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Make them your avatars online. Set them up as your wallpapers and on your phone and on your desktop. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the roads, when you email with them and when you text them, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Write them as your status updates. Tweet them to others so that others can see and that they can all be blessed. This passage is a call to action of the mind and soul to meditate on, to internalize and affirm that God is one. And Moses lays down these great principles of obedience. The first truth that is to be obeyed is to know that God is one. Then the first duty is to love Him with all of our hearts. Then he goes on to provide some general counsels on on how to live. The theologian Neil Palinga called it the Magna Carta for the Christian intellectual life. He says, to love God with all of our minds means that we should think about Him a lot. Be interested in Him. It's pretty powerful, he says, that this prayer that has been said every day in synagogues throughout the world is the same prayer that Jesus said over 2,000 years ago. Moses continues, In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of all this? What is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, the laws? The Lord your God has commanded you. Tell them we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible. On Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. If you want a good book to read on on Sabbath, um, I encourage you to pick up a book by Joe Lieberman entitled "The Gift of First." It's a fascinating book that he's written, and he says this: Every generation
1: has its own Pharaohs and its own slaves, or slave Excuse me, uniquely based on the culture of the age. And he suggests that they can be your slave messes or your ferrets can be electronic devices or maybe the status of your bank accounts or your next promotion that you're working for or the often unrealistic expectations you find when you go on this big, long time work called Pinterest, And you spend time and you look at all those beautiful things in the community. Some people are smiling and nodding. The guys are smiling and the yeah, dad, that's my no Moses He brought us out from there to bring us and give us this land he promised on to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all of these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we may always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And as long as we obey all in the land, before the Lord God, as His commandments, that, that, will be As we enter 2013 to go I wonder what's holding us back. What's keeping me from entering the promised land and from us getting into the pool and experiencing that feeling? But then again, maybe that's not even the right question to ask. What's keeping us from accepting the feeling that the pool or the promised land cannot be provided? Even though Moses may not have entered the promised land, I know that he undoubtedly spent time with the God of promise as he walked with them even and so I think that the message for us is still the same today as it was for the man that stood, that lay waiting beside the poor. I am the Lord, your God, the God of hope and of truth, and so you take off your map and walk with me in 2021. Please stand with me for the benediction. I imagined that as this man began to pick up his mouth and get up, it was the most unusual, most awkward strut that you've ever seen in the life. But it was one filled with joy. And I pray that as you leave for the new go and walk like one in the presence of the Lord.